Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, April 10th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Tesla plans a new Shanghai battery plant. EVs could make up three quarters of cars on U.S. roads by mid-century. And there are new warnings against selling cars over sticker price. Plus, Hyundai had a big presence at the New York Auto Show last week. Global COO Jose Munoz joins the show to talk about the automaker's big growth recently. It doesn't come without a strong efforts every single time. We remain humble and hungry. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla will build a new battery factory in Shanghai. The move increases investment in China at a time of brewing tensions between Beijing and Washington. Tesla will manufacture its so-called Megapack large-scale energy storage units in the new facility, which adds to its factory for electric vehicles in Shanghai. Tesla is leveraging China's world-leading battery supply chain to ramp up output and lower costs of Megapack lithium-ion battery units. Construction is scheduled to begin in the third quarter of this year, and Tesla expects the plant to start production in the second quarter of next year. The projected size of the investment was not disclosed. That demand for more batteries for energy storage is going to rise exponentially in the coming decades. A new report says three in four vehicles in the U.S. could be electric by 2050. That's if more states follow California's ban on gasoline vehicle sales by 2035. The report comes from Energy Innovation, an energy and climate policy think tank. It says if the 17 states that follow the California Air Resources Board's limits on pollution also adopt the state's advanced clean cars to rule, almost 240 million vehicles on U.S. roads could be electric by mid-century. Those 17 states make up nearly 40% of vehicle registrations today, according to the California Air Resources Board. About a third of customers paid more than sticker price for a new vehicle in December. Now, new GFK research indicates those sales might cost the retailer and the manufacturer repeat business from some of those customers. 27% of customers who paid more than sticker told GFK they would never buy that brand of vehicle again. 31% of buyers charged above sticker told GFK they'd advise other consumers to avoid that dealership. And 29% said they plan to never use that retailer for service. And analysts say Volkswagen's choice of Ontario for a new battery cell manufacturing plant puts Canada in contention to land another electric vehicle assembly plant. That's as the German automaker's premium brand, Audi, thinks about establishing a new North American site to build electric vehicles. According to Auto Forecast Solutions' Conrad Lason, a Canadian assembly plant to complement the planned battery site in St. Thomas, Ontario, is, quote, a real possibility. Lason noted that battery cells do not travel well that means minimizing the distance between battery and vehicle production cuts down on the number of cells that have to be scrapped. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Tesla building a new battery factory in China. Doesn't this seem different from what everyone else is doing with battery manufacturing? Yeah, it really is quite the contrarian, at least appears to be quite the contrarian strategy, right? We've got every 
company, every major global automaker investing in battery making and EV plants here in the U.S. Uh, with all the government support behind it. But you know, it really is a different game. These are the stationary energy storage units. Kind of think of them more like you know, emergency backup generators uh, for your home or a business. Uh, they can also be used for you know, time shifting, like solar power. If you've got a big solar field, you can store a lot of energy to run a factory over the night. So it's, it's more of that type of thing, nothing that would be going into vehicles or anything that would get exported to the U.S., uh, where it would, of course, face uh, huge uh, tariffs. So it is different, uh, but it is, uh, it is curious on the surface, at least. Gotcha. Coming up, Hyundai COO Jose Munoz joins the show. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Hyundai Motor America closed the first quarter strong with best-ever March sales and also posted a fifth consecutive record month. That's even as its growing line of electric vehicles faced increasing headwinds as U.S. tax credits became harder to offer for shoppers. The automaker was one of a small number with a significant presence at last week's New York Auto Show. It debuted the new Hyundai Kona EV for North America, as well as the Genesis GV80 Coupe concept. I caught up with Hyundai Global COO Jose Munoz in New York to talk about all of it. Jose, uh, today, this morning, you unveiled the Kona EV, very exciting uh, second-generation vehicle. A question I had, you know, I saw uh, in the original uh, reveal, not in North America, it was explained this would have uh, electric, hybrid, and gasoline-powered, and today we talked about the EV and the two gas-powered ones. Is there a hybrid for the U.S. or is that only for other markets? No, so far we uh, we have decided that uh, for the U.S. we would have uh, three versions. One is the uh, EV, which is going to be the most important. Uh, I'm sure you know that um, we developed the, uh, this all-new Kona based on EV as mm. opposed to ICE and then transforming. Here the base is EV. And then we have uh, two ICE engines, a, a two-liter naturally aspirated, and then you have a 1.6 turbo, uh, which is going to be called the N-line. And then we believe that this is really a perfect combination for the U.S. market. So that's how it's going to be. Is there still a chance for an N, a Kona N in this generation that's uh, maybe more powerful than the N-line? Or It, it could be. Uh, for the time being, already the so-called N-line is more powerful. Oh, really? The 1.6 the turbo is going to have a 190 horsepower. Mm-hmm. I think the naturally aspirated is about 170. So you could say it's an N, but we like even more. So may, maybe we, we may have it in the future. But for the, fi- for the time being, EV, 2 liter, and then 1.6 turbo in line. With the Kona EV, you didn't announce any pricing today. I know it's probably soon since you said they'll be coming to market this summer. This summer, yeah. 
but um, can we expect it to be comparable to the current Kona EV? Well, we try always to be uh, competitive. Uh, we don't want to be discounted to our, our uh, competitors, but we don't want to be uh, also a premium. And then we bring in a bigger car with better features. Uh, so probably there will be an, an increase uh, in MSRP as it normally happens. But it's uh, going to be uh, competitive, let's mm-hmm. put it this way. Yeah, it is it is significantly bigger. I mean, yes. uh, six more inches, it's almost another class. Alpha foot, yes, and then a more volume a, a for luggage, uh, which is significant. And then when you uh, get the seats down for maximum uh, volume inside for transportation, etc., it is a huge uh, increase. So you can see the presence of the car is uh, is larger. So it gets uh, into all, almost the Tucson uh, territory. Mm. We're very happy with that because um, the um, we've been asking uh, to the corporation to get uh, a bigger bigger car. This is one of our entry models uh, in the industry, and a lot of um, young consumers who buy it, they love it, but they would like to have a little bit more space. Mm. Uh, and also some other people who maybe they, they don't need the a full space of a Tucson or a Santa Fe, they appreciate the car is gone a little bit uh, uh, bigger. And also that uh, we have uh, developed uh, the H-Track version, which is more rugged, mm-hmm. uh, with bigger wheels, 17 to 19 inches wheels. We give it more stance uh, as um, a off-road vehicle. Uh, earlier this week, we saw a new Genesis concept uh, right across the hall uh, here. I'm wondering about Genesis and how big it can be or how big you want it to be, right? I think it's a top 50,000 sales last year. Do you expect it to be 200,000 like by the end of the decade or do you expect it to ultimately catch, you know, Lexus and BMW? Well, we go step by step. Uh, we definitely see the the potential, right? And then uh, we have been developing uh, the the brand uh, with a lot of focus on the electrification. Mm-hmm. So in in just uh, a couple of years, uh, not even, we developed the G80 uh, EV, also the GV60, which is uh, the first uh, SUV uh, pure EV that we've developed with Genesis. And then we're very proud of the GV70 EV, which we started since last month in our plant in Montgomery, uh, Alabama. It's the first time Genesis is produced outside of Korea, and the first EV produced in America as well. So it's really special. But also, uh, we've seen that the, uh, we have way more potential. And this is why uh, one of the main brands which is going to benefit from the big investment we're making in, in Savannah, Georgia, remember it's a $10.5 billion, a assembly plant for up to 300000 and then a battery plant, a joint venture, uh, also in Savannah, 8,100 jobs, and then in Barto, it is uh, another uh, joint venture for a battery plant mm-hmm. and uh, getting uh, another 3,500 jobs, which is uh, significant. So the brand that is going to benefit the most is going to be Genesis. We are only going to produce electric in, in this plant. And then uh, Genesis is going to be uh, only launching electric vehicles as of 2030. And by 2035, we will only have electric vehicles in the portfolio. So do we want to grow? Yes. We think that naturally, just uh, moving along, we're going to get to the 100,000 relatively uh, soon, probably before the end of the decade. 
and then we see how it goes. We have not established a stress number. That's, that's not our uh, way to operate. When you go all EV, then you'll just be aiming for Tesla volume. Well, basically, but maybe by then, all the companies will be also uh, all the EV. But basically, that's, uh, that's what we've seen in, in the market. So we are growing our mix of EV sales. In, uh, in the case of Genesis, we had March, all-time record March uh, sales. We had a, a Q1 all-time record, Q1 sales, after all-time record in uh, 22, after 21. <laughs> so we keep growing. We keep growing. Yes, it's almost boring. Every time you put out a sales numbers, they're always records. So. It's, it's, never, it's never boring. I'm telling you, it's never boring. And it doesn't come without a, a strong efforts every single time. And we remain humble and hungry. As you move into the EV strategy and have now started making EVs in the U.S., major milestone. Of course, we have to talk about the Treasury guidance and the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, and its tax credits. Are you confident that the electric GV70 uh, made in Montgomery will qualify for at least 37.50 in federal credits? Well, we're confident we will qualify, but we don't know when, uh, right? So now we are assembling this vehicle in the U.S., but then we need to check all the critical minerals and battery components requirements, uh, which is not a, a very easy thing uh, to do, and then ensure that we achieve the threshold of 40% for the critical uh, components and then uh, the 50%, I believe, for the, the battery components, right? So I think we will qualify. The question is when. You know, on this uh, IRA, we have not changed our stance in the sense that um, we are disappointed that uh, IRA excluded us completely, even uh, if we had made a, a formal commitment with the state of Georgia, uh, which we announced for President Biden in uh, Korea when he visited uh, last May. An IRA came in, uh, in August. We've seen how all of a sudden the uh, share of our products have dropped. And then after the uh, clarification of the Treasury Department, we've tried to maximize the utilization of the so-called 45W paragraph, which allows for uh, the sales through the lease channel to benefit from the 7,500 uh, tax advantage. We've done that. We moved from 6% uh, share up to 30% segment share within the, the lease or lease, uh, lease share. This allows us to, to be there but we've lost almost three points of share uh, in the segment since the moment uh, IRA was so it's having a, a huge impact. So, uh, as you know, we won't be able to qualify because of the assembly uh, entry ticket requirement until the new plant will be uh, in operation in uh, January 2025, and then the battery plant may be uh, coming one year later. So this is a significant impact to our company. So, and then we believe that uh, the consumers are the ones who are losing because they will not be able to benefit other than the lease. We have seen the lease representing about 10% of the total segment on EV. So basically we are not competing in 90% of uh, the, the segment for it. That's a big handicap. Does it help that minerals and components from South Korea can qualify? under the new arrangement? Definitely this could help. We don't know uh, yet. So the fact that the batteries uh, get uh, produced in uh, South Korea today does not imply that the, the critical minerals 
uh, are all coming from uh, South Korea. There are very few countries who really have uh, the critical uh, minerals. So we need to look at not only that, but also the where the materials are processed, and also if we have possibilities to maybe recycle them uh, to qualify, which are also elements included in the law. I don't want to make it sound uh, easier than it is, but I mean, would it make sense to make all EVs here and move all the ICE vehicles back to South Korea? Well, not really, because the, the world is changing. It's not only here, but the world is changing. And in fact, our company announced not only the $10 billion investment in the U.S. Uh, for the uh, projects in, uh, in Georgia, but also about $16 billion in South Korea to transform the current manufacturing based on ice uh, and hybrid into a EV. So basically, other markets beyond the U.S. require EVs as well. So take Europe. Yeah. Well, the requirements are even more stringent uh, I would say that in the U.S., even though the European Union decided to kind of uh, postpone their requirements uh, based on a very strong request by some uh, state members, but basically not, not only U.S. Our objective is to get uh, produced here minimum 50% of uh, all our sales, a battery V, and produce them here. Out of the total, and as you know, California asking for 68% by 2030, 100% by 2035. So basically, we need a lot here. Very aggressive targets. Indeed. So you recently were added to the board of Hyundai Motor Group. Congratulations. Thank you. What does that mean to you? Well, the job uh, continues to be the, the same, but uh, it adds even more responsibility and accountability, right? So it is a great opportunity for our region to have a, a bigger voice when it comes to what we need, how we see the industry, uh, and the things that are relevant for the American consumer, I'm really honored and I'm very proud to be the only non-Korean member in that uh, in that board. And also as a U.S. citizen now, well, I'm representing the country there, so and it's uh, it's something very very special. So with this uh, additional responsibility, I'm wondering, you know, will you also? be a little more involved with Kia in this way? And are there things in the way the two companies work that you'd like to see them work better together? Or are you kind of a fan of the internal competition uh, structure? Well, let me clarify. So I, I've been made a member of the board of Hyundai Motor Company. Right? Separate from? Which is a separate company from uh, Kia. Hyundai Motor Company has control over, over Kia, but it's a separate uh, board. It's a separate company. And then, uh, well, concerning this, well, I, I don't comment on, on, on this. So they are part of the family. Uh, we share some uh, back office uh, resources as part of the structure of the group. They've done great today as well. So I, I congratulated uh, my counterpart uh, here. Best performance uh, car. So we're very, very happy. And then, but we wish them well, but we are uh, competing in the, in the market. It's uh, still a still a no comment brand for you. I, I was hoping we would start to be able to discuss Kia a little bit, but uh, I guess we're we'll stick with Hyundai and Genesis. Great brand, great competitor, great cars. So we need to do better. All right, Jose. Thank you so much for your time. It's great to see you. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you for having me. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters, and I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Near, as well as our own Hannah Lutz. 
John Hutter, and Carly Schaffner, and Automotive News Canada's David Kennedy for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look at the 100th anniversary of MG, an iconic brand reborn after near death. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.